0: Welcome to the well here at STSA, like we like to say about this place, an ordinary place where extraordinary stuff happens, and I totally believe that that is going to be true here as we kick off this new series at the start of a very special season of the church, which is the holy season of Lent. We're kicking off a new series today called Unshakable, and the series is basically about one topic we're going to talk about over the course of six weeks, and that is about trusting in God. Let's go straight to our theme verse right here. I'm going to repeat this verse week after week. And hopefully by the end of it, you not only memorize it in your mind, but also can live it in your hearts. And that verse says this. Let's read it all together. Okay, on the count of three. One, two, three. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. And I think that trusting God, if you ask me, is the key to life. And this verse tells you why. Because the one who trusts in God, according to this verse is unshakable, cannot be shaken, invincible. Nothing can knock him down. Nothing can shake his foundation, the one who trusts in God. And it compares the ones who trust in God to a mountain. says, like Mount Zion. The one who trusts in the Lord is like Mount Zion. Let me ask you a question. I'm no geography major, geology major, whatever the right major would be here, but I've seen mountains before. Can, what can you do to shake a mountain? Let's say I go up to mountain, Mount Zion, I don't know where that is, Mount Everest, Mount Kilimanjaro, whatever mountain is your favorite mountain. Okay, Name your favorite, Appalachian or Rocky Mountain, whatever it may be. And you want to shake it. So I'm going to go up to this mountain, and I'm going to kick the mountain. What's going to happen to the mountain? Nothing. And let's say I throw a rock at that mountain. What's going to happen to the mountain? Let's say I take my car, Okay. I, 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 I wind up that Hyundai Sonata, okay? And I wind her up, okay? And then I gun the engine. I run my car as hard as I can, as fast as I can that mountain. What's going to happen to that mountain? Let's say I run a truck into a mountain. Let's say I run an airplane into a mountain. Let's say it rains really hard on that mountain. Let's say it's very windy. Let's say it's very sunny. Even a fire can burn the stuff on the mountain. But can anything shake a mountain? Don't be very spiritual and say the prayer that moves the mountain. Yeah, we know the prayer, but leave that one aside, okay? Don't be super spiritual right now. We're just trying to be practical right now. Nothing can shake a mountain. No matter what you do to it, the mountain is the mountain. But let me ask you a question. This verse right here says that's supposed to be us. It says there can be a person who lives on this earth who's like that mountain. That cannot be shaken. That cannot be swayed. They cannot be moved, no matter what life may throw at him. And we know, like if you've been alive on this this earth more than a day, you know that stuff is going to come at us in life to try to shake us. And I look at this verse, and I say, when I face trials, when I face pain, when I see injustice, when I see sufferings, when I get a call from my doctor, when my boss calls me into the office, when I see the news report about the latest scare, Am I unshakable? Like, is this me? Is this you? And let, let, let's, take, let's take it even on a smaller level. Like, now, Forget about the macro level things that shake us. Let's go on the micro level. That when you got your day planned perfectly, and then all of a sudden you hit traffic at the worst possible time when you did not need that traffic, and all of a sudden the whole day, everything, all the quiet time, all the prayer, all the love, and the, all that's out the window right there when you hit that traffic. When you get sick, you come down with a cold or a flu or a fever, at the absolute worst time, or that situation that you've been praying for, or that person that just won't seem to get it. I feel like it's not even big things that shake us. Sometimes it's small things. I saw a book title one time, I didn't read the book, but I thought the title was was very appropriate. The book was titled, okay, it was written, it was like a book for youth. The book was titled, If God Loves Me, Why Can't I Get My Locker Open? (laughs) And I think that's a great title. I don't know what was actually in the book, but the title was great, because that's sometimes how we feel. Yeah, we come to church, and yeah, we trust God, and yeah, we love God, and yeah, 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 yeah. And then the first thing that comes our way that's outside the plan, the first disruption, the first speed bump, the first storm. My question for you as we start this series, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken. Does that describe you? Would the people around you say, oh, yeah, that, that that's his person. Oh, nothing shaked this person. I get worried sometimes. My faith, I'm less like a mountain more like a leaf but there's that leaf and if as long as you leave it alone it'll stay but don't you go like you ha and the whole thing goes and sometimes that's our faith sometimes that's our 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 shakiness sometimes our life is like a house of cards okay and as long as you leave it alone and nothing goes wrong then then okay we'll be okay but somebody just walk by too quick and all of a sudden the whole thing comes crumbling down goal in this series we want to be unshakable we want to be invincible. And according to this verse, the way to get there is trusting in God. Now, I want to do a little research as we started this series, Google. I want to do a little research, and I want to see some of these terms. What's out there on the internet about some of these terms that I'm going to throw around. Because I want to talk about unshakable. I want to talk about invincible. I want to talk about trusting in God. So I typed in the word unshakable into Google. What came back was a book by a guy named Tony Robbins about financial freedom. And this guy Tony Robbins apparently is very good at marketing because the first two pages on Google, every single result was about his book. He did a very good job on SEO for those who know that. So I said, okay, throw away Unshakeable. Let's type in Invincible. What came back was not a book, but a movie with a guy named Mark Wahlberg. Now here's the thing is for me, I grew up, it was Marky Mark, so I refused to accept Mark Wahlberg in any role other than Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. So I threw away all those results as well. Then I typed in Trusting God. And I got back, here's some of the results, an article titled, Trusting God When Pain Seems Pointless. Five strategies for when life is hard. How to trust God in difficult times. How to trust God in all circumstances. And then one article that came back, which actually was the most interesting to me, was titled, Can We Trust God? And I read the articles, like a blog post or something like that. And the implication was something which is kind of new to me. The whole idea of that article was that sometimes we can't trust God, not because the problem is on our end, but the problem is on his end, which, again, was a new concept to me. The whole point of the article was maybe God isn't as trustworthy as we make him out to be, and it gives us example. Let's say you know the game, you know the the trust fall game? Like if I lie, like I stand like this, and I fall back, and you're supposed to catch me, okay? So... I fall back like that, and you catch me, and then I, I trust you. So let's say we play this game, okay? Let's say, you know, I come here, and I say, okay, people in the front row, okay? And I'm going to go like this, and I'm going to fall back, and they drop me. And they say, oh, my bad. Trust me. Okay, so I try it again. I do it again and crack my head one more time. Well, my bad, okay? And they say, okay, one more time. And then I do it a third time, and they drop me again. And I come back here and say, God, I need, to, I need more trust. I need to trust these people more. Is the problem that I need more trust to do this again the problem on my end the problem is on their end The problem is not that I'm I don't trust enough. I don't have enough faith The problem is every time I do have faith. They let me down and the point of this article was Maybe the reason we don't trust God. Maybe it's not our fault Maybe it's his fault Maybe he doesn't catch us Maybe he's not there when we need him. Maybe he's not as reliable and dependable as we want to believe He is. So I say it this way. I say the question of, can I trust God, or can we trust God? That's actually two questions in one, and we're going to answer them both throughout the course of this series. Can I trust God is actually, can I trust God? And can I trust God? Said another way. Can I trust God? Meaning, is He worthy of my trust? But then the second question is, can I? Can I trust God? Meaning, am I willing? Are they worthy of me falling back? And then am I willing to take that step? But the two two are different subjects, and we got to answer them both. I need to know, first, character of God, nature of God. Is he dependable? Is he there for me when I need him? Is he reliable? Can he be counted on? And then secondly, my level of faith, my relationship with him, my willingness to take that step of faith and fall back. Am I willing based on? on who he is. Agree with me. There's no point in trusting someone who is not worthy of trust. So if we cannot solve this issue of God's trustworthiness, all the discussion about faith and belief, all that stuff is worthless unless we first identify God's nature as worthy of trust. But then secondly, there's no benefit to having a trustworthy person in your life if you are not willing to take a step of faith and trust him. We need to solve both those issues. But here's the thing. If we solve them, If we get these two to line up, if we determine that God is trustworthy and worthy of the utmost trust, and that I'm willing to place that trust in him, you know what I will be? I'll be unshakable. I'll be invincible. There will be nothing that can knock me down if I can get these two to line up. So here's what we're going to do throughout this series. Each week, we're going to look at a different characteristic of God's person of God's nature, of a characteristic of God, like a quality of God. We're going to talk about the goodness of God, talk about the sovereignty of God, talk about the love of God. We'll see a certain aspect of who God is. And then we will look at a way that we can begin practicing our trust in that specific aspect based on who God is, how we can practice trusting in God. That's going to be the plan throughout the course of this series. In addition, what we're going to do is, is we're doing life groups, as Madonna said up here before I came up here. We are now starting a life groups, and what life groups are for those who are new to our church family is a couple times a year, two times a year, during the fall and in the springtime of Lent. What we do is I talk about this subject here on Sundays, and then afterwards we meet throughout the week in different group settings in different people's homes, all throughout the area, different days of the week. And the whole idea there, it is super important for you to come to church and hear me, like that's a great thing, and you learn from me, and I really hope that I can bless your life in some way and that you can benefit from me. But I also believe that we can learn from each other just as much as we can learn from me. And I believe that sometimes I'm up here and I have certain experiences in life, but you have different experiences in life, and you may learn from mine, but I may learn from yours. And every time we do the life groups, I join a life group, and I participate, and I always, oftentimes, I have one of those aha moments as well, because I see things the way I see things, and I like the way I see things, but I also like the way you see things. And you know what? I may, be—I in a couple weeks, talk about the goodness of God. And it may not click with you. Then you'll get to life group. And someone will share that story. And all of a sudden, you'll have that aha moment. Ah, now I get it. Because that person's experience related with you. So I really hope that everyone can get plugged into a life group. If you still haven't signed up, today is when they kick off. So you can still got a chance. You stop by the connection table after I'm done right here. Hopefully, they can help you get signed up. But our goal. Back to our goal. Series? Unshakable. Invincible. Nothing can move me because you know what? The one who trusts in the Lord is like Mount Zion. And the one who trusts in the Lord cannot be shaken. Medical diagnosis, cancer cannot shake that person. Getting laid off from work cannot shake that person. Seeing bad news on the news all the time cannot shake that person. Nothing can shake the person no matter what the world throws at him, no matter what the the devil throws at him, no matter what comes, what failure, what doubts, what trials, what tribulations, nothing can shake the person whose foundation is trust in God. That person has an impenetrable fortress like a mountain around them, and that's our goal to get there. Me and you, we can do that together. But before we get there, I want to kick things off here today by answering a simple question. And the question is this. Since we're going to talk about trusting God for six weeks, what does trusting God look like? Like if you had to draw a picture, you had to tell a story, you had to describe to somebody else, Hey, we're going to talk about trusting in God. Come to my church, we're going to talk about trusting in God. What does it mean, to trust in God? What does that look like? What would you say? What picture would you draw? We're going to use a New Testament story from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 4. And it's a story of the healing of the nobleman's son. Now, for those who have been attending church here for a while, okay, you'll remember, we actually just talked about this story in the series we did at the end of 2019, a series called Blind Faith. We talked about the miracles that Jesus did, the seven signs that Jesus did, This is one of those signs. So a quick recap of the story. We're going to take it from a little bit different angle this time. Basically, it's a story about a man who has a very sick son. And the son is at the point of dying. And the man says, I need help. He runs to find Jesus wherever he may be. travels a long distance. He runs and finds Jesus. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus says, you know what? I wish I could help you, but I'm, I'm not coming to you. But trust me, your son's going to be okay. The man's like, I need you to come with me. Jesus says, you go your way. Your son lives. The man goes back to his house, and he finds it exactly as Jesus had said. The boy is miraculously healed. We're going to read that story. Okay, it's, it's a seven verses, so it's to, to read them all at once, kind of get the whole picture. And as we're reading, I want you to answer the question in your mind. What does trusting in God look like? And specifically, as we're reading it, seven verses, I want you to be able to pinpoint where in this story does the man trust God? At what point in the story? At what point does he go, in the beginning of the story, he is a, we'll call him a casual observer of Jesus. By the end of the story, he's fully devoted disciple of Jesus. At what point does he make that shift? At what point does he go from where he was to really trusting in God? Ready? Here we go. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son For he was at the point of death. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed And his whole household. Did you catch it? Everyone have an answer? At what point did the man believe? And I'll even give you there's three options, okay, because there's kind of three acts to this story right here. The first is at the very beginning of the story, when the man is sitting in his home, son is sick, and he says, I'm gonna go to Jesus and I'm gonna ask him for help. Took a certain, that could be faith. Then he has this interaction with Jesus, and Jesus tells him, actually, I'm not coming home with you. You go on your own way. And when it, Jesus said to go your way, it says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And then he's on the way home. And as he's on the way, the servant says, hey, I got good news for you, your son is healed. And the man's like, really? And the man gets home, and when he gets home, he sees it for his own eyes, and it says that he himself believed in his whole household. When did the man believe? When did he trust God? First act, second act, third act. How many people say number one? Let me say number one. He had faith in number one. That's when he trusted God. Okay? How many people say level number two? Number two is when he trusted God. Okay? Let me say number three. That's about one third, one third, one third. The answer depends how you define faith, depends how you define trust. I will say this, follow me here. I believe that faith or trust, I'm gonna kinda use them interchangeably right here, that trust in God or faith in God or believing in God, we'll use all those three terms interchangeably. I believe it is less yes and no, and it is more warm and warmer. Meaning, it's not, does he trust or doesn't trust? Does he believe or doesn't believe? I would say it's more of, it's warm, and then it could be warmer, and then it could be warmer. Like, is it possible that you're in a room that's warm, but it could be warmer? Yeah. Goes up a degree. Like, is there a difference between 68 degrees or 67 degrees? Or 66 degrees? Or 65 degrees? On your energy bill, there absolutely is a difference, okay? You can try it yourself. I believe faith is kinda that same way. We look at it, we like things black and white. We want yes and no. We want just like a, yes, he's either doing it or he's not doing it. But I don't think it's that simple. I think that faith is about degrees, and is about warmer. And he was warm, he started off, let's say he started cold, and he got a little warmer, and then a little warmer, and then a little warmer, because for sure some people said in the beginning, he went to him and he implored him and took faith, but surely, His faith at the beginning of the story and the end of the story is not the same. Surely. And then you say, well, in the middle, that's when he believed his word. But you can't compare that to when at the end when he said he and his whole household believed. So what I say, I'm gonna put faith into three buckets, three levels. I'm gonna say level one is hope. Level two is obedience. Level three is trust. And I made a nice acronym there for you that you that you can memorize it with. Hot, very good, okay? Our goal is to be hot when it comes to our faith in God. Man started with hope, moved to obedience, ended at trust. Let's go through them one at a time. Let's start with hope. Hope was in the very first verse. Those are the people who voted level one. He heard that Jesus had come out of Galilee. He went to him. He implored him, come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. It took a certain level of faith and trust and belief to do what this man did. Why? First of all, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't have any relationship with him, but he had heard there's this guy who does miracles. But he also heard from maybe some of the rabbis, no, 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 this guy's a con artist. This this guy's bad news. He heard from maybe some of the Pharisees, no, he's demon possessed. Yeah, he does miracles, but by the power of the demons. That's what they were saying about him hear from some of even maybe Jesus' own family who said, actually, no, he's crazy. He's out of his mind. So it took a certain level of faith to be like, you know what, I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I'm gonna give Jesus a try. It took a certain level of faith and we can't deny that. Also, what did he do? He was a nobleman. Jesus, what was Jesus' social class? Was Jesus high class? Middle class? Jesus low class. Okay, Jesus was at the bottom of the the pyramid of the totem pole when it comes to the social class system in first century a Roman Empire. So here's a nobleman running, undignified, to beg, undignified, a lowly peasant. It took a certain level of faith to say, you know what, I don't care what the boys at the country club say about me, I don't care what my neighbor says about me, I want to get to Jesus. And he does that. But here's what I would say about this level of hope. Hope is good, and hope that Jesus could be the answer. But I would say that his faith is less in who Jesus is at this point, And it's more about his lack of faith in everything else. The hope phase is the phase of lack of faith in the world. Meaning, I don't know what to expect with Jesus. That's where the man was. I don't know what I'm going to find. But you know what? I know I tried everything else. And nothing else solved my problem. I tried doctors. I tried magicians. I called psychic friends, network, hotline, whatever that means. Like I tried everything. And everything failed me. And everything failed me. And everything failed me. So you know what? Enough. I'm going to try Jesus. I don't know what I'm going to find. I never met him before. I never talked to him. I hear different things about him. Some people are like really into Jesus. Some people think he's a demon. I don't know. But I'm done trying everything else. I'm going to Jesus. Clearly, this is not the ideal level of faith. But if we're honest, this is where most of us started. I can say, if I'm honest, this is where I started. I didn't start my walk with God because I believed that He was the way, the truth, and the life, and I wanted to give everything and obey everything that He had to say. I came to Him at a certain point in time because I was done trying everything else. And I tried to find satisfaction outside, and I couldn't find it. And that's probably why you're here. At some, at some point, you came to that same decision, that you know what? That I could, I could climb that corporate ladder, but it didn't do it for me. I could could be the party guy, but you know what? That only gets you so far in life. I could could accumulate possessions, but you know what? Where's that going to take me in the end? I want something more. I want to try Jesus. The first step is not bad, but it's only the first step. The second step was the level of obedience. He started with hope. He moved to obedience. And that's when Jesus told him, verse 50, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Man came to Jesus. Jesus, I got nothing. I need help. I come to you. I need you to come home with me and heal my son. And Jesus says to him, "Go your way." What Jesus always does, and He still does it today, does it to all of us as we come to Him and say, "Jesus, I got nothing. I need you." I need help with this. Jesus says, very good. Go do that. But Jesus, I need this. Yeah, that's great. Go do that. You come to Jesus, say, I need a relationship. Biological clock ticking. Pressure from mom and dad. I need help. Jesus says, absolutely. I need you to stop dating. You say, I'm struggling financially. I can't make ends meet. Jesus says, absolutely. You need to be more generous with the money that you do have. You say, Jesus, I got a situation at home, and I have tried A and B and C and D and E and F and G, and I made up letters from other alphabets, and I tried everything, and I tried everything, and I tried everything. He says, I need you to stop trying. I need you to trust. Go your way. Your son lives. The man came to Jesus with two options in his mind. I'm going to come to Jesus. He's going to come with me. My son will live. He's going to ignore me. My son will die. He's going to come with me. My son will live. Or I'm going to go back alone. My son will die. Jesus said there's a third option. You're gonna go back alone and your son's gonna live. That was one of the options. So level one was lack of faith and lack of belief in the world. Level two is faith in his word. And when I say his word, I don't mean the Bible. I mean his actual word, the commandments of God, the things that God tells us to do. Man came to Jesus, I need you to come with me. And Jesus said, I am not gonna come with you. But I need you to trust me and go back to your own home alone. And the man had a choice. Do I trust or don't trust? Do I believe, don't believe? Can you imagine? Let's put ourselves, again, we talked about this back in, in, in October, but just again, just to refresh everyone's memory. Can you imagine the faith that it took for this man to leave Jesus alone and walk back to his home? We, because we know the outcome of the story and, and, and the boy lives and we know everything's going to turn out. So we just kind of take it like, the man came, asked, Jesus said, go your way. So he kind of skipped home and then everything was fine. No, 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 no. This man, nobleman, peasant, this man's son was dying. This man was not a believer, but this man had nowhere else to go. Like I said, he tried all, all his money from being a nobleman, got him nowhere. All his influence, all, all his connections, got him nowhere. Son is dying. He leaves his dying son at home because he has no hope, and he knows that when he leaves, he may come back, and the son may already be dead. But that's how desperate he was. Jesus wasn't his next-door neighbor. He had to travel 25 miles, roughly, to find Jesus. And when you travel 25 miles back in the day, he's walking, or he's on a horseback, or some kind of carriage, or something it may be, and it wasn't an easy journey. And it wasn't like, hey, call Jesus, and tell him to meet me at the nearest Starbucks, okay? It was go to town and say, has anyone heard of Jesus? Has anyone heard of this rabbi from Nazareth? People be like, I don't know who you're talking about. And you ask him over here, no. Oh, yeah, that guy. I heard he was over there. He was at a wedding. So they run over there to that wedding. Oh, you just missed him. He left yesterday. And they run over here. And anybody's seen him. They say, why do you want him anyway? He ain't no good. He's a demon die. The, the Pharisee said that he's a bad dude. Man, just tell me, you got. You know where he is? And he's traveling. and He's journeying. And he's trying to find him. And one day, he finds him. Searched all over town. He found him. And he probably offered him a gift. And he told him, "If you come with me, I'll make you rich." Jesus says to him, "You're good, man. You go back; you'll be okay." I see you, you, Jesus. You don't see like I, I've been—I've been searching for you for like like weeks here, and 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 I got no other hope. Yeah, you're good. Go your way. Your son lives. I see, Jesus. You don't understand. Like if I go—if I go back without you, my wife is not going to be a happy camper. Okay, we may be having to bury two people in the home that that, like the son and myself if I go back without you. And Jesus said, go your way. Your son lives. Have you ever put yourself in the right mindset here? Have you ever prayed prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed? And the end result of your prayer was God says, don't worry. I got it. You got what, Jesus? What are you going to do? Don't worry. I got it. But like, I know you got it, but what is it that you got? This man, somehow, like the people who voted, we said the voting, who, the level one, the level two, the people who voted this level, I, I, I see why you're saying it. Because for this man to muster enough faith, to leave Jesus and go back to his home, realize, again, he's a nobleman. He could have captured Jesus. Okay, his servants could have said, Okay, you know what? We, we came friendly, put the man in the cart, or we're gonna take him back. But he left him, and he was willing. I don't know why, but I'm gonna trust you. What could be higher than this level of faith? Is there anything higher than this level of faith? There's something higher. And that's the third level of trust. We went from hope to obedience to trust, and trust is right here. Okay, this is on his way back. He left Jesus. He obeyed his word. He obeyed his word. But after he obeyed, clearly he was still struggling in his mind. Do you understand why? Then he inquired of them. The servants came running. As, as the man is going back home, his servants came running and said, your son, there's a miracle. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. If the man was perfect in his faith from before, he would have been like, yeah, I could tell you when it was. It was yesterday at the seventh hour. But clearly his faith, he was warm. He was warmer, but he still wasn't on fire yet. So the father knew it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household. And this point of belief, I'm calling this the trust level, this is when, you know what? That's it. Game over, done deal. He's the real deal. I don't care what anybody says about him. I don't care what anyone tries to convince me. I saw it with my own eyes. I went, I begged. He told me, made no sense, I obeyed everything the way he said it. So I don't care what anybody says, I don't care what any rumors, I didn't get into Pharisee stuff. He's the real deal. Jesus, blank check. I sign a blank check, and that means you fill out the amount. You fill out the date. I'm yours for the rest of my life, and not just me, but all, my entire household. Case closed. I think if you ask this man about his faith journey, and again realize, he went in a day, we talked about this in that last series. All these stories are a day, what our lifetime is. Our entire lifetime can be condensed to these seven verses. Okay, as the man moved from hope to obedience to trust. Each one of these is like an era for us. But I think if you ask that man, he said, I just started that story with, I hope Jesus is. And then he went to, I think Jesus is. By the time he ended that story, I know he is. I hope i think i know and that's the level of trusting in god this last level is a little bit hard to kind of illustrate and paint in words so we're gonna watch a little video clip right now and i'm gonna tell you right after bat. the video clip is a little bit long it's about six minutes long but it's really 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 good it's basically a video that i think summarizes the difference between level two and level three the best it's basically a live video so that the quality is not fantastic it was a live video taken at a youth conference I think the video is from like 2008. We're going to watch this little video right now. You're going to see what is the difference between hope to obedience to trust. Oh, sorry. We'll come back to that.
1: Okay. Jesus. Yes. Look, thank you so much for meeting with me. Yeah. You know, I have been thinking a lot about my relationship with you, and, and I think I figured out what my problem is. Your problem? Yeah. Well, I just thought, I don't know. I felt like I should at least, you know, share it with you and let you know.
2: Yeah, please.
1: Okay. Well, um, Jesus, (laughs) it's, um, you see, the problem is, is that I don't, I don't trust you very much, you know?
2: You don't trust me.
1: Right. I mean, when I say I don't trust you very much, really what I mean is like, I don't trust you at all, you know? And I, I I don't know. (laughs) I wish that I did, but it's like. I don't know, you tell me to do something, and it just doesn't make any sense, you know, and then things get, they just get all messed up in Cat, my head. I...
2: I can teach you how to trust me if you want to learn. Really? Yes.
1: Do you have a book or something? Well, yes. Okay.
2: Uh, but I have an exercise, oh. and I think it'll really help you.
1: Oh, really?
2: If you want to try it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to trust you. I just don't, you know, so... Okay,
2: okay. I think you're going to do well. Okay. Um, just uh, stand here. Oh, okay. Face this direction. Oh, all right. Okay? I will stand behind you. All right. Now, Kathleen.
1: Jesus, hey. Hey. Hi. (laughs) Okay.
2: Uh, Turn around. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Kathleen. Yeah. Do you trust me?
1: Okay. Short-term memory, Jesus. Um, Jesus, remember just like, I don't know, 10 seconds ago I told you that I don't trust you? Yes. Yeah. Well, I still don't trust you. I mean, I don't know if like you were supposed to do something like mud on the eyes or something I'm not sure but I I missed it you know
2: this is all part of the exercise all right this is practice what do you mean well whenever I ask you if you trust me I want you to automatically say yes Jesus I trust you
1: even though I don't it's practice practice yeah okay
2: you can do it okay okay do you trust me
1: (laughs) yes Jesus I trust you good okay
2: now relax all right. Take a deep breath. Okay. And fall back.
1: <laughs> you just mean like, woo! Is that what we're talking about here?
2: That's what we're talking about. Uh-huh. Just, uh,
1: woo! All right! <laughs> okay. Fall back. Um, and then what? Then what? Yeah.
2: Uh, well, you know what your part is, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you said um, face this way and then fall back. Fall back. Okay.
2: Now, the rest of it. Yes,
1: yes, the rest of it. Go ahead.
2: Uh, The rest of it, Uh you don't need to be concerned about.
1: Oh, good. (laughs) But you know what? It's like the rest of it that I'm really concerned about. So if we could just go ahead and talk through that, we can continue. Okay, Kat,
2: I want you to do your part. Yeah, okay. I will take care of the rest. Right, I know. After all, you do trust me, right?
1: (laughs) Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Good. Okay. Now fall back. This is crazy. Hey, wait, wait, wait. okay, what about if I put my arms up in case somebody wants to catch me, huh, like a little truss fall? is that what we're doing here? Oh,
2: well, if it helps you to put your arms up, yeah. you go right ahead.
1: Okay, all right, this is good, all right, here I come, here we okay. go. Okay. Okay. Uh,
2: cat, hey. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> oh. okay.
1: Oh. Jesus, that was really cool. Okay, so what do you want to do now?
2: Let's try it again. Oh, sure, um, okay. Yeah, uh, this time, uh-huh. stand here with your feet planted.
1: Oh, right. Okay, well, no walking backward. Okay.
2: And uh, no looking behind you. But
1: you know what? I just looked back for a second, and you were so far away. I thought, he's never going to catch me back there. Okay. So I wanted to make it easier for you, you know, and get a little closer just for you. So.
2: Kat, you realize that I'm Jesus, right?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah,
2: so I can do this.
1: Oh, I know. I you know. I just thought I'd...
2: And you can do this.
1: Well, yeah, of course I, I mean, can. I mean,
2: you trust me, don't you?
1: Yes, Jesus, I trust you.
2: Good. Fall back.
1: <laughs> <sighs> okay, you know what? I can do this. You can do it. I can do this. I'm just, I'm going to do it for real this time.
2: I believe you can do it.
1: Okay, all right. I'm just going to do it. Okay, please, please, please catch me. Okay, I can do this. Just.
2: Jesus, yeah. You so awesome. Oh man! Oh
1: man! Oh man! I mean, I was falling for like a long time, you know, and then like right at the last minute, you were like, woo! Yeah. like so sweet. Oh man! Okay, where can I throw up? I'm oh no. oh What? I just no, you know. No uh,
2: Save that for later. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, Cat. Yeah.
2: Uh, you're a natural. Um, really? Yeah. You're ready for level two. Level two. Let's step it you're up. Right.
1: Okay. Here I come, baby. <laughs> 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 okay. Oh yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Jesus, what are you doing? You are way too close. This not a challenge. Oh, you're funny. Okay. okay, back up. All right, here all right, we go. All right, Kathleen, this
2: yeah. one is a little bit different. Okay. Okay. Yep. This time, stand in the same place. Okay. But, face me. Face you. Yes.
1: That seems easier, but whatever, you're Jesus. All here right. We here's go. what
2: we're gonna do. <clears throat> you gotta stop doing that. All right. What? Wait for my signal. Oh, right, right, right. The Jesus
1: signal. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry. Yes.
2: Wait for the Jesus signal. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Do you trust me?
1: Yes, Jesus. I trust you so much. Great. Yeah. Fall back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Especially when you do it.
1: Are you serious? Of course. What? Okay, okay. Um, Jesus, I don't mean to bring this up to you, you know, because you're Jesus, but you see over here? Yeah. Yeah, there is nobody over there, okay? So well, you need to come stand over here.
2: I know it looks that way to you. It looks you. that
1: way. It is that way, Jesus. You can see that there's no one over there. Kathleen. I mean, I-
2: Let your faith overcome your fear and fall back.
1: I have a great idea. Why don't you tell me what you're gonna do and then I'll do it. It doesn't work that way. I need it to work that way, Jesus. Seriously, I mean, are you gonna run over there really fast like Superman, you know? Or like a miracle, poof, a bed, you know? I mean, come on, you can do that.
2: Look, you didn't know I was gonna catch you the first time, but you still fell. Of
1: course not, but you're behind me. That makes sense, you know, but this is just crazy. No, again, it's not crazy. You're capable of this. You know what, Jesus? When I came out here, I didn't trust you at all. That's right. right. But now I trust you so much. Oh, but there's so much more to do. That this is kind of enough, because, I mean, before I just felt lousy, but now I just feel so great. No, Kat, you're not done um, yet. Uh, maybe, maybe I should start a trust ministry. That's a great idea, Jesus. What? Thank you. Oh, You're not yeah, even yeah, listening yeah. to me. That is so great. I will teach okay, the people how to trust you. That's, that's a great idea. I want that to take you saying, to the
2: next it's, place. It's, I want just, to help you grow.
1: That's just so great. Kat? I am the greatest. What? I am the greatest because I obviously trust Jesus the most. So
2: You're not listening, Kat.
0: y'all catch the difference between level two and level three? The difference between level two and level three of, we said, hope, obedience, to trust. Obedience is when you can kind of connect the dots. So, for example, thou shalt not murder. That makes sense. We know we shouldn't murder. Murder's not a good thing. We know we shouldn't steal. is probably not good. So we can kind of connect the dots with those things. But what happens when you get a commandment, as you saw right there in the video, that makes no sense. Is your faith in the word, in the command, or in the person who gave the command? Most of the commandments of God, just so you know, don't make any sense. A lot of them do, but a lot of them don't. Doesn't make any sense why I should turn my cheek. If someone slaps me on this one, actually, what makes sense is to run as far away from the other from that as possible. Doesn't make any sense why, if I went one mile with you, I need to go a second mile. Doesn't make any sense why if we love each other and we're going to get married, why do we need to stay pure? We're going to be in love, if we're going to be there forever anyway. Doesn't make any sense why if I'm poor, why I should give. Doesn't make any sense why if you hurt me, I should forgive you. Doesn't make any sense. But that's what trust means. Can you obey? Can you trust? Like I know you can, when the dots connect to what it is that you want. Okay, it's hard, I'll pray, I can do it. What about when the dots don't connect? Well, it makes no sense. You trust in his word or you trust in his person. I'll give you a nice verse right here in 1 Corinthians 25. This is a great verse to memorize if you want to work on trusting God. Take 1 Corinthians one twenty-five, which says, the foolishness of God, let's read it all together. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Said another way, I am not trusting based on what is said. I am trusting based on who is saying it. And if he says it, I'm good. And if he doesn't say it, no good. Not based on what is said, but based on who is the one who's doing the saying. Uh, several years back, I've spoken about this book before. One of the best books I ever read about trusting in God is a book called Heinz Feet on High Places. Anyone read that book by Hannah Hernard? "Hinds Feet on High Places? So oh, a handful. Heinz Feet on High Places by Hannah Hernard. Say that like 10 times you see how your tongue goes after that. Heinz Feet on High Places. Basically, the book is an allegorical book. And it's basically about a girl who is traveling up this mountain. So she's serving the shepherd. And the shepherd is obviously symbolizing God, and she's symbolizing all of us. And she's in the service of the shepherd, and she's working for the shepherd in the fields. And then every day, the shepherd would go back up to the top of the mountain. That was like his abode. And she thought to herself, one day, I would love to get to those high places. The high places being like symbolic of God's presence at all times. I want to get to those high places, and I want to live that life. But you know what? It's just not for me. It's like where God goes, and like the very holy people go, but me, I'm down here. And then one day, she cried out to the shepherd, and say, oh, that I could one day get to those high places. And the shepherd said to her, welcome. I'd love to have you come up there, but the criteria, there's one criteria that'll get you from where you are to the top of the mountain and that is trust he told her you have to be willing to trust everything that i tell you because you can't get there on your own and he told her that some days it'll be really stormy you're gonna have to trust me and i'll trust you some days it's gonna be really windy trust you the days it's are gonna be really rocky trust you and i still remember there's this one scene in the book for those who read it you may remember this scene as well There's one point in time where she follows him all the way up this mountain and the trail and the winding and the animals and the scared and the enemies and she follows him and she follows him and then finally, the end is in sight. The end is right there, okay, but it'd be up. So she sees there's the end right there. It's right in sight and the shepherd says, okay, now that you see, that's the end. It's right there. The next step is down. And she said, no, the step is right there. It's clearly up. He said, just like in the movie that we just saw. You trust me? And sometimes, did you know? I don't make any sense. I am lost my mind here today. Sometimes, to go up, you take a step down. And when God wants to get you left, he takes you right. And God who wants to give, he tells you to give. Let's trust. Because the foolishness of God. God, forgive the expression, I don't mean it this way, but just to make a point, God on his dumbest day is so far smarter than me and you could ever possibly be. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. What I remember learning from that book, I wrote this down in my journal at the time, and I'll never forget this, is my trust is in the guide, not in the path. My trust is in the guide, not in the path. Our trust in this world is not about the path that God lays out for us. Our trust is about the guide who is doing out the laying of the path. Trust in the guide, not in the path. Because faith is not yes or no. Faith is not either you have it or you don't have it. Faith is warm and warmer and warmest. And in this life, oftentimes, we start on a journey of faith with God, okay? And we take that first step of faith and we love it, and we say, okay, we trust in God, and we believe in God, and we believe in God for our salvation, we believe in God to forgive us our sins, and then God wants to take us to a higher level of faith, to go beyond that, to believe in him for some of those little things. Sometimes it's easier to trust God for the big than the little. And God wants us to trust him for everything, and we say, okay, God, you know what? I'm good at this level. And you say, do you believe? Oh, I believe. You have faith? Oh, I have faith. You trust? Oh, yeah, absolutely, because I did more than my neighbors. That's what the nobleman could have said. My neighbors wouldn't have gone to him. Now everyone else wouldn't have left him and gone back to their home. But God wants to take us higher and higher and higher to the level where our trust is not in his path, but in his person. Realize, parents, y'all get this. From the youngest of ages, we realize that it's in our child's, we know that it's in our child's best interest for them to trust us. And if you want to talk to a child simply, a little three-year-old, a little four-year-old, okay, your best strategy in life, three-year-old, four-year-old, your best strategy in life, if I got a whole bunch of three-year-olds and four-year-olds here, your best strategy in life, follow your parents. Trust your parents. They tell you, don't, don't, don't go with what you think is best. I don't think I need to brush my teeth. They can't convince me why it's good for me. Trust them. They know what they're talking about. Why I need to eat vegetables? Why can't I eat just pudding all day and pudding pops and uh, the the pudding sickles or whatever it may be? Why can't I eat just those all day? Trust your parents, they know what they're talking about. Why I gotta go to bed? I wanna stay up up all night and party. Trust your parents, they know what they're talking about. Well, here, watch me on this one, parents. Did you know that the difference, the difference intellectually between a four-year-old and his or her parents is nothing compared to the difference between you and God. Because you know that four-year-old is just a matter of time. Like the only thing we got on that four-year-old is just maybe 15, 20 years. And even some of us, they may catch up even before that. That's the only difference between my intellectual ability and a 4 year olds Okay, like I said, 10, 15 years from now, they'll have caught up. It's just a matter of time. But the difference between my intellectual ability and God's intellectual ability is not a matter of time God is the maker of time. God is the eternal one, the infinite one. And if you think that a little four-year-old can't understand what you have to say, but then you can explain what the creator of the universe, you got a problem. Isaiah says it this way, chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts in other words when i say trust i'm not asking you to trust in a bum off the street i'm telling you to put your trust in the one who holds all knowledge in the palm of his hand and the one who knows things that have yet to be discovered and will never be discovered who is infinite in his wisdom and his knowledge and that's the one we put our trust in this series we're gonna have fun in this series won't be unshakable won't be invincible and the one who walks around trust in god man that one let the winds come let the storms come let the let the diagnosis come let the viruses come let the layoffs come let the economy let the election come let come whatever wants to the one who's trust in god unshakable invincible and god in the end in the end tells us to trust in him not for his own benefit, but for my benefit. I'll leave you all with two verses. One I already showed you, but the second one, maybe not. How you end up with this series, this issue of trusting God is gonna leave you in one of two places, okay? Issue of trusting in God, his character, plus my experience, we're gonna end up at the end of this journey in one of two places. We'll go on the negative, and then we'll end on the positive. First one is Matthew 13, a verse that I never, ever, ever wanna hear about my life or your life or my home or your home or my church or your church, which is that he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. I don't want that verse, and I'm just gonna show up there on the screen for a second, okay? Because some people are motivated by the negative, but we're not negative kind of people. This is the people who don't believe, and the lack of belief ended up hurting them more than anyone else, but that's not us. We're gonna be these kind of people who are on the opposite side. We're gonna be those who trust in the Lord, are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. Say that verse with me. Say it with me. Say, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. That's my prayer, that through this journey of Lent, through this journey of the series, that we grow in our trust, we grow in our invincibility, our unshakability. Let's stand together for a prayer.